Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday as we drop this, and you know what that means. I got someone coming on the pod today to talk a little bit about product, talk a little bit about competition, talk a little bit about momentum, all of those fun things we like to discuss in the hobby. I'm joined by DJ Kazmerzak, who is the VP of Sales and Product Development at Panini America. Man, it's been a wild couple weeks for Panini. I wanted to have him on the podcast on the heels of the WWE Prism uh, drop. Fanatics came in, dropped a press release saying they're going to be working with WWE. I wanted to hear directly from the source what that means for us, the collectors. DJ's a great guy. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend you're enjoying Stacking Slabs. Without further ado, let's go. Let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. I'm excited. I think I'm still reeling from all of the buzz, momentum, and excitement around uh, WWE Prism. Um, I was just talking with our guests before we hit uh, record that uh, not in my wildest dreams did I expect what we are seeing to have happen now. Um, but th- here we are, and WWE is at the top of the list, and we've got new collectors coming in, people selling modern wrestling for record high prices. And I'm just thrilled to be talking about it. There has been a lot of news around this. There's a lot of news regarding the just licensing and WWE, and we're going to get into that. But I want to welcome our my guest today, DJ Kazmerzak, who's the Vice President of Sales and Product Development at Panini. DJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. I, I also have to tell my guests, mo- most of the people consume this uh, via audio, but DJ, I can already tell, is my type of guy. I, I get on Zoom with him, and he's got number 18 in the background, although not in a Colts, Colts gear, but he's got him in Bronco gear, a big, I think, 2012 uh, prism uh, spin-up of uh, Peyton. But I think we're going to talk wrestling. We got to talk about Peyton a little bit. So share, share some insight on why Peyton's your guy. Well, I'm, I'm a Bronco fan. It's interesting because I'm, I'm actually from Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I was raised. So I have a little bit of Colts lineage in me for that one year that Philip Rivers played for you because <laughs> he went to NC State, which is my, my, my favorite school. So there's that. But no, I'm a, I'm a Bronco fan. It, it's one of those things that happened as a kid. I was born in New Jersey, raised by two New Yorkers. So I'm a Yankee fan on the baseball side, hence my lanyard that some of you might be able to see. But when I was a little, little kid, Joe Namath was my favorite player. And he was a Jet, and I was a Jet fan because it was a New York thing. And of course, the Jets eventually parted ways with Joe Namath. Unbeknownst to me at that point in my life, the whole business part of it, I was just angry. I was mad. So I said, I'm picking a new team. So <laughs> Denver it was. And, uh, and anyway, it was, it was great. Um, you know, I have Peyton for those four years. And uh, I saw a Super Bowl win and I saw a Super Bowl crushing loss <laughs> in person. I was in New York at the Seattle. Super Bowl, and then I was in San Francisco. But, uh, you know, and Peyton, you, you've seen all the work he's done since he's played and stuff. Just a, just a fabulous, funny, 
talented man. He, he just is. He's a fun guy to just work with and be around. So something we can both relate to here is that um, I did, I saw the Super Bowl. It was a longer time frame, but I yep. saw the Super Bowl win right. and I saw the crushing loss too. Yep. That's as right. A, as a Colts fan. And, and just on the Phillip Riverside, like he was, we're talking wrestling. So I'm going to call him in, in just as a Colts fan, he, he was a heel for so long to me, but then when he put on the Colts blue, man, I mean, couldn't be yep. a bigger fan of Phillip Rivers and he took us to the playoffs. So I yep. hope he's not an unsung hero before it's all said and done because I don't know, hell of a career and a hell of a competitor. Oh yeah, no, Philip. Philip, uh, he, you talk about a competitive guy. I mean, that guy, he, he's something else. And uh, but he's, you know, he had all the passing records at uh, at at NC State before Russell Wilson came along. And 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 most people remember Russell for the one year at Wisconsin as a grad student. But he was at State four years before that, putting up massive numbers. So um, anyway, but yeah, that's quite. There's quite a there's quite a quarterback lineage at NC State. You had another one of our guys in in, in Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> so you had a couple. Good leaders come out of NC State, I can tell Apparently. you. That. I, Apparently. I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll move into the wrestling stuff, I promise. But you segued into it. Now, you're, you're, you said you're a Broncos fan. Now you've got, I mean, Russell Wilson is your yep. quarterback, who is one of the most likable quarterbacks. One of, the, I think, would be in that upper echelon, like, what are your expectations with Russ in Denver and what he's going to do with that team? I think what the Broncos have been missing, listen, I, and I'm not disparaging any of the guys that have come in and played quarterback since Peyton was there, but you know, there's, there's certain things about that position where there has to be kind of like this unspoken leadership that just has to emanate out of the person that occupies that role. I think that's what has made Tom Brady, Tom Brady. I mean, he's, he's physically a good quarterback. But his leadership skills are off the charts. I mean, they're just at a whole nother level, right? He makes guys, every guy that plays with him, even on the defensive side, better. And so it's it's one of those things where I think Russell has a lot of that. I'm not saying Russell is Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. There's only one of those guys. But I think he's going to bring that to Denver because I think the team is talented, as are the Colts. Colts are very talented as well. And I think you're looking for that intangible, that the coach can then send onto the field because the coach usually has that intangible. He's not playing. So I think the Colts have done the same thing with Matt Ryan. I think they brought the same intangible ingredient in knowing they already had pretty much all the other pieces, certainly a strong ground game, you know, solid defense, all those things. So that's what I'm expecting in Denver. I'm expecting Russell to come in and show some of these young players the right way to prepare for games. And that's a lot of film study. He's already been working out with his wide receiver core out in his, uh, his place in, in Seattle before he moves, I guess. And so that's what I'm looking for is just the fact that the Broncos have to relearn how to win. <laughs> it says, it, it seems simple. It seems like an easy concept, right? We all know how to win. Well, yeah, no. And I think he's got to teach some of those younger Bronco players that in those close games, in the end, which they played a lot of in the last five to six years, but they typically lose more of those than they win. So it's the difference of six, seven points a week in, in the NFL. I mean, you look at the difference between the teams that are 12 and five and five and 12, and it's, you know, it's four or five points a week. And that, that's the difference. So you got to make those couple key plays down the stretch and know that you have the ability to do it. And I think that's what both Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan will bring to their teams. At least I know it's, I think that's what the teams are 
expecting them to do. So we'll it's see. My, but, you know, it's my favorite part of the NFL season. It's nothing but optimism at this point before mm-hmm. they step on the field. Sort of um, like today with sort of like today in baseball. It's opening day and everybody's <laughs> everybody's in first place. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. Um, let's talk a little bit about you. I think yeah. you you told me that this was your second go around with this WWE license, and you briefed me that you were at Fleer twenty years ago. Maybe talk about your history and your roles and then up into like your current role as vice president of sales at Panini and product development. Like what are your responsibilities? I'd love to just hear your background just on the manufacturer side. Sure. It's one of those things where um, my original intention in life was to work in sports television uh, my entire career. And that's what I did actually the first 10 years that I worked. I went to school for it. Um, it's what I always wanted to do. And then I did it. And um, I, I was a card collector as a kid. I mean, right out of the shoot. So I've always collected cards. And, you know, after I'd been in television for eight, eight, nine years, I knew somebody who was working for uh, an ad agency who was connected to the Impel company, which was owned the Skybrox brand back then. And, and they had just gotten an NFL license because in those days, the NFL was handing out licenses fairly frequently. And, and they didn't have anybody that knew anything about trading cards. They just got this license to produce cards, but didn't know anything about it. So my buddy called me and said, hey, you collect cards, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, we got a trading card license. You want to help us work with us? So for a couple of years, I, I stayed in television and I, and I worked for, you know, Skybox more or less. And then I realized that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't like working every holiday. I didn't like working every weekend. I was like, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? And I said, maybe I can morph off and, and go into this trading card thing because it was really sports that it, that I wanted to work in as it turned out. So anyway, that's how I got into it. And then shortly after I, I went to work full time for Skybox, Marvel, who owned Fleer at the time, this is mid-90s, bought Skybox and put them together. So that's how I ended up going into the bigger company that was FLIR was involved in that. So uh, I moved back to New Jersey where I was born, but I was living in North Carolina previously. And I moved back up and I was a brand manager when I came into the industry. So that's how I got into it. I was building building products. Um, I, I, I was the lead brand manager on the 2000 FLIR tradition baseball product. If you remember, that's the product that more or less caused tops to create the heritage brand because I borrowed heavily from their 54 set in, in that in the, in, and brought back vintage, if you will. And everybody loved it. And I, you know, the rest is history anyway. So I was a brand manager. And then as Fleer went through a couple of ownership changes at one point, one of the owner new ownership uh, uh, groups decided that because I'm pretty good at talking and <laughs> I'm a brand manager, I understand probably that I should be in sales. So that's how I moved into the sales part of it. I eventually went back and got a master's in business administration because I had no formal business background in my undergraduate work. And that was more just for me to feel confident when I was meeting with a Walmart buyer or a Target buyer that I could understand exactly what we were trying to achieve. And, and so from the FLIR company, I worked for a small company in Charlotte for uh, seven or eight years called Press Pass. So many people have heard of that. That was a NASCAR primary company. And then from there, I took this job in August of 2012. So I'm coming up on my 10th anniversary here. I came in as the vice president of sales 
and I assumed management uh, responsibility of the product development team in 2015. So since August of 15, sales and product development have reported to me. And the importance of that was typically in, in trading card companies, traditionally, the sales and product development departments, you know, clash a little bit because we're in the collectibles industry and the sales department is going to want to push volumes, if you will, because they've got opportunities and the product guys are going to want to hold back because of the collectability part. And so they would kind of just, you know, clash and that sort of thing. So what's nice about our group is we have to solve all of that because we're all one team here. That's right. The product development sales team is the same. So it's really helped us as we built a lot of our brands over the last, you know, eight years. I think that's made a big, big difference. And I think the Prism brand, which we're going to obviously talk about here shortly, is a byproduct of that partnership between those two typically adversarial groups. So anyway, that's what I do here now is, is I oversee sales, product development, also the designers, the creative group, and then our project managers, because that's all considered part of building product and, and product development. So I manage about 62 people, I think, at this point. So um, very, very opinionated, strong-willed people. So my, my job is exciting. So, so something I have, I, something I have, I appreciate the brief on your career history. It helps set the stage for the conversation. Something that I appreciate is like org design structure and the reason why certain teams fall under certain groups. And yep. uh, something that I'm certainly interested in, and I got to just ask, obviously, like Prism is the brand, like yep. what doesn't matter the license, like crazy stuff happens when the new Prism product drops. And you mentioned that. Can you maybe like shine a light on Assuming both groups, like, give me like anything maybe like tactical that you've implemented over the years that has that you believe has helped uh, contribute to what we're seeing today across all major sports with prison. Yeah, I think it's there's a couple parts to it. There's the the executional part of it, and that involves the various parallels that we've introduced to maintain collectability is obviously demand has gone up. You're trying to obviously stay somewhat close to the demand. You never want to exceed demand, but at the same time, you don't want to be so short of demand that you frustrate people. So obviously we've done a lot of creative things in terms of creating other parallels that have value in the secondary market, if you will. And then the, the other part that I think is left behind a lot when people look at our company is how we've managed the distribution network and channels. And I think that's made a huge difference in terms of just the brand success we've had, but also the industry success. Because as the company that is the steward of the industry, meaning that we hold 80% of the licenses at this point, and I know we're going to talk about the future, but as we go, goes the industry. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's, it's I always laugh a little bit <laughs> after I get over being Man, <laughs> when I'm on social media and I see people hurling rocks at us and saying we suck and and all those things, and I'm like, yeah, but you you know you you're buying the product and it's not as easy as it looks, right? I mean, I think we make it, I think we make it look a lot easier than it really is. Anyway, we have a very strong distribution network and very good relationships with our distributors in all channels, not just hobby, but also retail, especially in other things and. As the brands have performed, they become very important to a lot of people's businesses. And as a result, um, people protect, help us protect our brands. So I think it's a combination of all those things. And 
Prism has just become, you know, one of those brands that I think it's it's got a lot of inherent fun to it in terms of the way we build it, but it's also got a massive cult following at this point too. So you throw all that stuff together and you have spontaneous combustion like you did essentially yesterday when WWE Prism released. <laughs> uh, we could probably, I, I'm going to probably have to get you back. I, I would, we could do a whole episode on just that topic, but yeah. let's, di- let's dive into the WWE stuff. So I don't know. I just, in between my meetings, I pull up my phone and everyone wants to like share information with me. So th- apparently, we're going to talk about the craziness of yesterday, but apparently uh, on the secondary market and Austin gold just sold for 12,500 yeah. via, which is nuts. Andre gold, eight K the Cena color blast is at 10 K. I mean, it's, <laughs> I feel like for so long, there was a small group of us modern collectors and we knew that prism was going to amplify things, but like there, I, I didn't expect this in my wildest dreams. Like, you as the head of sales product development at the manufacturer like how do you when you see this like is did you anticipate this like what was your initial reaction with all the craziness that went down on day one yeah you know it's it's um and this is this is this is kind of a thing that i have to deal with on a regular basis we have to deal with is the balance of the secondary market pricing and stuff that you just mentioned, it's very important. We clearly don't build products for it, but we recognize you got to have it. If you don't have it, the product, the longevity of the brand is not going to be that long, right? So we don't, we don't totally ignore it, but at the same time, we don't go around saying this is the sole sure. reason that, that we do this. I, I will tell you that I, I was surprised at, listen, we were trending on Twitter last night. WWE Prism was trending on Twitter. That, that that just doesn't happen. So that that surprised me. But I will say that I did expect, you know, a, a pretty strong response to the product just based on what happened last year with Prism UFC, right? I, so I wasn't completely caught off guard, but the furor of which it hit social media and then bounced all around, you know, onto other mainstream media and stuff that that did surprise me at. And the fact that happened the first day, if it, you know, I figured a week or so and it started building momentum and some of the big cards came out, then people would pick up on it. But it literally happened in hours. It it started with the stuff being broken overseas because they're obviously ahead of us. It it was release date there. We all wake up and we're seeing all this stuff. And it's like, what is this? You know, Cherry had already busted some stuff in Australia and pulled some things. And it was like, okay. And then it just, Took off, so you know I, I, I'm I'm happy that people really like the product because I'll be honest with you, we felt some pressure with it coming in. People have asked me why did why do you lead with your best brand, you know, and and it's like well, there's two different philosophies, I guess, when you go into anything. Do you want to hold back or do you want to make a you know great first impression and basically knock people off guard? And that's typically the way we approach it. So we go in and we feel like. The rest of the brands that we have lined up to come out this year are all strong in their own right. But clearly, Prism is the monster of all brands, Panini anyway. Shout out, Cherry. What a good group of, uh, what a good group to get the product first. Very active on social wrestling fans. Um, yeah. They caught my attention just up front. And I want to like, so, so as a collector, the news dropped. I got the press release. It caused buzz. And then just following it, and it was, a, uh, the 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 launch was orchestrated and the timing as someone who's in marketing was it was it, it, 
it was spot on. You have WrestleMania, which mm-hmm. the the most stupendous WrestleMania ever. Two yep. nights, and I think just as a fan, like anyone who sat and watched WrestleMania two nights was were highly satisfied. Great matches, Stone Cold crossover talent, McAfee, Logan Paul, like. You could be anyone and you could have watched WrestleMania. And now you dovetail that into Prism, WWE Prism coming out. And before I do that, because my question is about this, is like when the checklist came out, that was the validation for the collector when everyone said, okay, like there is a lot to chew on, which I've seen product checklist drop. And I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it from NXT 2.0 all the way through Legends UK. It's just jam-packed like, Talk to me a little bit about like the process. How does that checklist get designed? Um, I love any insight there. Yeah, and, and and obviously the prism release and the timing of it was intentional. We 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 you, you're aware that there are supply chain issues now. There's paper shortages and all that, and we've we've had to we've had to move some of our other things around. But the one thing that was never going to move from its release date was this because it was tied to all the mania around WrestleMania. So that was, that was intentional. And, you know, it obviously has served its purpose very, very well. Now the brand manager on this uh, brand is a gentleman named Lucas Kinzer. And at some point I'd encourage you to have a conversation with Lucas. Lucas managed. We chat, we chatted, we chatted. Okay, good. So, you know, Lucas, so Luke, Lucas, Lucas works on UFC, works on our basketball team. And then he works on, on this and, He's the lead guy on both the UFC and, and wrestling. And, uh, you know, we encourage Lucas to, to have some fun with, with the checklist. And, you know, I think he had a, a, a great amount of fun with it. And he did his research. He went back and he looked through it, you know, uh, potential rookie cards, but people who hadn't been done in a while, people who'd never signed. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to the WWE themselves because they were very, very helpful. Um, and very open-minded and, and gave us tremendous access and helped us uh, with a lot of the relationships on all this stuff. So it was definitely a collaborative effort between us and them. And um, I think Lucas just did what a good brand manager does. He had a great, he had great fun with it. And then the execution by the whole organization after it from production to acquisitions and all that was just was dead on. So all of the things came together, but the checklist was was a lot of just Lucas being a longtime wrestling fan and knowing a ton about the WWE, like the Undertaker card, right? It's one of those things where right now half the people like it and half the people hate it. What I told Lucas was I said, you did your job. It doesn't matter. People are talking you, about it. It doesn't matter whether you like it or hate it, right? Because even in the building, we're like debating it. But it was like everybody sees that thing and goes. Is, is this, is this right? Is this, so he had a great, you know, I think he had a great time doing it. I think it, it manifests itself. And then the photography, you know, uh, we got some great photos. Our photo department had, you know, good access and pulled some great photos. And I think it just captures the spirit of, of the WWE and what it is that, that fans love about it. And then you combine that with all the colors going on in the, the prism uh, technology. And I think it's just a recipe for a real fun, uh, exciting, different brand. And that's what I would tell you, but that, that checklist is pretty much all Lucas. So I got to give him the credit on that. That's awesome. And I, that what stood out to me out of the gates was the photography. There are cards I'm seeing images 
I'm thinking about the Seth Rollins card. I'm thinking about the Randy Orton card, the Charlotte Flair. Yeah, Charlotte uh, Flair these, card, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's it's just you're seeing stuff that we have never seen, but are the moments that signify the performers. And now they're not only on a card, but they're on Prism card, which has such a, a great, great brand recognition. I, I will say the the taker card for me, the, my first immediate reaction was like, could they not get his image on this card? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be chasing the taker. Well, I know the hard, some hardcore taker collectors loved it. So polarizing, but we're talking about did it. Did you uh, see, did you see my favorite was, it was, and I called Grace and I said, dude, this, <laughs> you were so funny, but so smart. Did you see the, the, the April fool's tweet of the Cena color blast card? Oh yeah. That was great. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well done. And I went to Lucas. I said, that should have been a one-on-one. Oh, that should have. You can't oh. see me. That should have been it. Oh, that yes, that was very well done. And you, the John Cena jokes on social media, you can't get enough of them. Right. So yes, can can you? Um, I love like it can be WWE related. It can be other license. Um, but like when you find an opportunity, like a relation, an existing relationship is ending, and there might be an opportunity to come in at Panini and, and gain the rights of a new license. Like, what does that look like? Like, are, are you evaluating that across the board? Like any specifics that you can share regarding like acquiring WWE and kind of bringing it into the fold, what that, what that looks like. Yeah. We actually, we actually pitched for that license. The last time it was uh, an open pitch process, this would have been, I guess, four, four years ago, I think. And, and we felt, good about it then i mean we just felt like it's a license sort of like all of our licenses we we we, we work with people the groups that we think are like-minded in other words we tend to be a little adventurous um we're not we're not risk aversive and you know it's one of those things where i know a lot of people probably scratch their heads and they they look look at a guy my age who's been in the industry a long time and would probably think that I'm a little more, I would be more old school, like protective of, of, of the old approach um, and that sort of thing. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm tactical. I will tell you that, but you know, we've, we've built a very strong um, and young minded brand team. And I think we look at relationships and we look at the, whatever it is, whatever sport it is or whatever property it is. And then we try to figure out, okay, what do we have in common in terms of our brand and their brand. And if it makes sense that the brands can coexist, then we obviously uh, pursue a partnership. The WWE always made sense to, to us in terms of being together, just like the UFC did. I mean, they, they, they both did because they're different brands. I mean, look at, look at the way they market themselves. It's, it's, it's similar to us. We have, we've always marketed ourselves a little bit differently than some of the traditional longer standing North American companies in this industry have. I mean, Panini is a long standing brand, you know, worldwide, but in North America, it's literally a 12 year old brand. Right. So, so I think that that's a lot of it. And then it comes down to a lot of times the people who work at, at the league or the players association and just the connection that we might have. But I, I knew, I knew that the synergy between our brands and the WWE brand would click as, as well, if not, even better than the than the UFC partnership. I just knew it would because, um, I mean, it, it just made sense. So, um, so we've been talking to them for a number of times. But Tops have been doing a you know a great job for them, and 
And and they were very clear about the fact they they liked that relationship. I think what changed this time was, you know, they they were just looking for a little bit as they've remarketed their their brand a little bit. I think they were just looking to shake things up a little bit. I don't think it was really as much that Tops had not represented the brand, you know, well. I think they were just looking to do something a little different. Listen, that happens all the time. Listen, we're, we're kind of going through that a little bit ourselves now <laughs> in the industry. So that's not unusual, right? I mean, it, it's not unusual for a brand to, to move after eight or 10 years with one partner. It's, it's not that unusual. No. And, and I think part of this like momentum build um, that I want to talk about and want to get your perspective is that there was a news drop uh, about from Fanatics about um, the WWE license. And I said on my show this week, I said, when that news dropped and I saw the reaction from the community, my my first instinct was, did did anyone read? <laughs> because right. it, it seemed to me some of the reactions were if people would have just opened up like the press release and read like some right. of the stuff could have been cleared up. But I'd love to give you an opportunity just to talk a little bit about Panini's uh, thoughts on the news that dropped your position, anything you want to clear up um, from that perspective, the floor is yours on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, the timing was a little strange in the fact we were just entering the beginning of our relationship with the WWE. And obviously then the announcement comes out that they've got a, a bigger vision in the future to work with fanatics. And, and it's not really dissimilar to what had already occurred, quite frankly, in, in the baseball space in the football space and in the basketball space. And um, so, you know, the only thing that was a little weird was the fact that in that press release, the trading card piece was mentioned almost as a throwaway line towards the end. Um, and then there wasn't really any clarification about how that affected. Now I just said when the current relationship ends or whatever, I can just tell you that, you know, our relationship is multiple years. Um, and um, you know we're gonna we're we're gonna do the the best job that we can because that's that's how we are. There's a lot of things still to be determined in this industry over the next three or four years for sure. So, um, but yeah, that that's what happened was it just was a, a kind of a bit of an odd timing um, to announce the trading card piece in addition to all. Listen, the bigger part of the deal with fanatics and WWE is the e-commerce piece, right? Mm -hmm. And all that, that that's really the biggest part of it. And, and then NFTs and digital and that sort of thing, but it doesn't change our position and our relationship with them at all. They're there. I've, I've talked to a couple of their executives uh, today about yesterday and they, they are, they are more than complimentary and they've confirmed that this is exactly what they were looking for in terms of, you know, excitement, and and reaction to the trading card WWE trading card brand. So that's that's what happened. And again, standing on the outside looking at it, I go ah, that that press release. You know, was I was I thrilled that part was in there? No, but I mean, it doesn't really change things. And you know, they have a bigger vision in the future about their e-commerce, and, and Fanatics is the company they want to work with. So let's let's focus on uh, let's end the conversation by talking about. Panini talking about this release. It's I'm just a I'm just a wrestling card collector who has yeah. a podcast who's a fan. But yeah. like in my evaluation from a day one, I would say like you can probably put a, a a check the box on great launch. People are excited. There's momentum. It's not going to slow down. Like when you're evaluating 
what's happening on the Prism side. Talk to me about like other products, like what has been in the plans. Does seeing some momentum like this cause you to say, okay, well, we need to maybe put more investment in the WWE license? Like, talk me through what's going on in your head well, on that. Like, what was existing plans and what might have changed a little bit? I, I don't want to give away the whole roster because I don't. I don't know what we published yet. Now, and I'll get Lucas and. <laughs> And the brand team <laughs> come after me. So I got to be careful what I say here. But there, there were, there's multiple war releases that were already planned well before this. We, we are, I will tell you this, and this is the truth. We're not changing our product plan based on what happened yesterday. Okay, It was already in stone. I will tell you one of the brands later on, uh, I'll tell you two of them later on. One of them is Chronicles, which if you're familiar with that brand, that is a Another great brand because of all the rookie cars that fall out of it, right? So that's one of them. And then you you knew we'd have to do another OptiChrome brand. So there there is select WWE in in, in the schedule. So that's all I'm going to say. But I will <laughs> all I will say is yesterday just confirmed that the release schedule that we had proposed that that we were right about number of releases. Um, I feel. Very, very comfortable with it now, for sure. After yesterday, I felt comfortable about it anyway. But um, that's one of those things where I think it gives the organization a, a lot more confidence to be as free as we build the, the, the future releases as, as we were on this one. Because we know now that people, you know, obviously, what we were trying to do is we knew that there was a lot of long time hardcore, for lack of a better description, wrestling collectors out there right we, we knew that you know adam gelman stopped collecting football cards and started started collecting wwe cards and, you know i've known adam for years and stuff and, and there's there's all kinds of stories like that so we knew there was a rabid fan base what we were trying to do is obviously introduce it to some other collectors that might collect other sports but have not gone into the wwe realm and that sort of thing to to show them that these are arguably the biggest superstars in the world, in the world, right? If you look at the overall brand and all the countries that, I mean, this is a massive, massive brand. I don't think people realize it who are kind of on the outside because they look at it and they go, well, you know, it's somewhat scripted. And, but I'm like, I'm telling you, this is a massive brand and, um, and people are rabid and we just saw it. We just saw hundreds of thousands of people descend on, you know, our city, uh, well, a city next to our city, Arlington, and to, to, to come to WrestleMania. You know, I, I like the fact that yesterday people were not afraid or not shy about coming out and saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in on wrestling cards. That's what, that's what I took away on social media last night. There was a lot of people who I knew collected, but they kind of stayed in a little bit of a collector's closet because of maybe the stigma behind <laughs> wrestling but i was like they all came out last night because they were talking about this and they were and they were happy because they were happy that other people now see the excitement and and the and the joy quite frankly that the wwe trading cards bring them i love it you said scripted but i gotta throw it back it's as a fan since i was three it's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell, let me tell you stories we wrap up. So when I was a, when I was a younger kid and I, I was into Boy Scouts, and this is like sixth grade. And this and so I go down to the local television station, which is the te television station I ended up working at 
<laughs> later on. So this is great. But I go down and I'm doing a PSA for an upcoming scouting event, or I can't remember exactly what it is. It's not relevant, but I'm doing it during wrestling because they, they then did NWA wrestling. They taped it uh, in this studio. So I'm doing this PA, PSA with Blackjack Mulligan and Wahoo McDaniel. <laughs> and, and I'm nervous as can be. I'm standing in front of them behind me. And later on when I see it, Blackjack's back there with the claw over my head. <laughs> and I'm petrified because the, these guys are massive and they're in character when I come to do the, the thing. They, like, not only are they dressed, but I mean, they're in character. And then after we shot the PSA and walked off, they broke character. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Blackjack's just, you know, the club. I'm like, huh? And that was the first time I went, okay, there's a little acting going on <laughs> here. But anyway, because I thought two, it was all real. I thought it was uh, all real. Uh, two legends. I'm glad uh, Blackjack Mulligan and Wahoo McDaniel could get some shouts on the pod. DJ, this is awesome. I appreciate you yeah, coming man. on, sharing some perspective from Panini. I'm so excited about the community getting behind this product and but thanks for sharing some information on what's ahead, man. Uh, there's a, I could go forever talking to you about your role and what you do and just the hobby in general. We'll have to find some time to get you we'll back. We'll do it on, again. But, we'll do it again. Appreciate it, man. There'll be plenty to talk about. Yep. Appreciate you having me. All right. Take care. Have a good one. I don't do it often, but I just, I like to get in the weeds with people who work in the business side of the hobby, who work at the manufacturers. And I thought DJ did a great job of sharing some insights on the WWE Prism release, talking about the future of WWE and the license with Panini, and also maybe clearing up some air regarding the Fanatics press release. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More Stacking Slabs, like always, next week. 